Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeika. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Sound, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He's here, missing in action, the whale man, Kyle Budzanowski, and for good reason, we're going to talk about that absolute cluster bleep of a game known as the Michigan-Michigan State game. Big props to Michigan State. We'll tell you why here in a second. We're also going to be talking the Everson-Griffin trade to the Detroit Lions, along with just the trade deadline in general for the NFL. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Tigers' new manager, A.J. Hinch. That name may sound familiar to many of you. And then we're going to also review WWE's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, as well as preview AEW's Full Gear show. So we have a action-packed, show today mike um i hope everybody really enjoyed episode 100 we got some great feedback from it so far i know we didn't do a full podcast i guess last mm-hmm. week we just kind of did like a halfsies thing um but it was at the same time i think it was important for us to kind of go back look back at some of that stuff and and why we're here today so um so i really hope people enjoyed it uh if you guys like that that change of pace kind of stuff let us know but uh let's get back to doing what we do best yo michigan michigan state michigan state getting the win 27 24 um basically a complete and utter failure by michigan in all three phases i don't think there's really a redeeming quality out of this game if you're a michigan fan or a michigan player i legitimately think that they were out coached outplayed even out i guess out-efforted, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. And that's not even a word, but, like, Michigan State wanted it more, straight up. Like, they, from the very first snap until the end of that game, there was not a single point in time where I go, okay, this is where Michigan's going to finally wake up and start playing. Nope, the entire time. And, and Michigan State had, did not play the best game. You know, they did just enough to win, but they dominated in all three phases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Michigan, I think's worst loss. Yes. And this is like by far this is literally worst case scenario for Michigan yeah. for a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Cause in any other scenario, and I can bring up multiple scenarios where if it was just a regular year where you had twelve game schedule where you had three, you know, pre yep. like division two school games yep. or whatever you play, yep. and then Michigan State play Rutgers, all right, you had four games right. to get ready for this game or something. Or if it was you didn't have to change coaches, mm-hmm. so you had Mark mm-hmm. D'Antonio say, "Okay, you lost to Mark D'Antonio," or right. what, like you know. Right. But this is literally the worst case scenario where they get a new coach in Mel Tucker, they then hit COVID hits, so he doesn't even meet his team right. and half his coaching staff before right. COVID hits. Yep. So now you have to do all this online virtual stuff, meeting all your players virtually online if you're Michigan State. And then you don't have those first three games to prepare. So your first game, you got a little bit of a lucky break playing Rutgers, but obviously it didn't work out right. where you lose, you have seven turnovers and lose to Rutgers. Right. And Michigan on the reverse looks so great against Minnesota, mm-hmm. beating them by 25, where Michigan now is a 20-point... 24-point favorite yep. going into this game. Yep. Should have been an absolute beatdown by Michigan, yep. and State pulls out the win. It's yep. probably the worst loss and in Jim Harbaugh's oh, Michigan yeah, for, career. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's one of those things where they just looked unprepared. They mm-hmm. looked like they were looking right past them. It looked like they thought they were just going to run through them. And it's a rivalry. This, this rivalry especially is one where it's like anything can happen. We've seen it. We've seen every which way, every possible finish we can out of these series. You know, Michigan that's had the upper hand the last, you know, I would say five years or so. It's been, you know, they won the last two, you know, it's been back and forth, back and forth ever since then, mm-hmm. you know, since Harbaugh got there. But this is terrible. It's unexcusable. Um, it's a complete disaster and a complete failure in all in all phases from the top all the way down to the bottom. I mean, 
it's to the point now where it's like, do you just do you do you fire Harbaugh just just because like mm-hmm. because I, you're getting you're getting to a point where you're so talked about and yet you have delivered zero percent of that yeah. right like it's very hard to continue to keep the faith mm-hmm. and thinking that at some point you're gonna get there right. I mean, I'm going to take Joe Milton out of this for a second. It's his second career start. You were at third and nine consistently the whole game, so your play calling did absolutely not. He didn't look good by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm going to give the kid a pass because that's what he is. He's a kid. But the rest of the team did not help themselves. Your cornerback position at, uh, on the whole is awful, and everybody's going to throw deep on you. So prepare for that. So Don Brown is going to be completely useless. I mean, at this point... Do you maybe take the approach of, all right, let's run through this season, do what we can, and then get rid of Harbaugh and try to get Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati? Because he's probably the hottest coaching mm-hmm. commodity out there right now. He turned down Michigan State already, but he has turned Cincinnati around in four years and comes from Ohio State. He's got a good defensive pedigree. I don't know at this point. It's <laughs> it's it's hard. Yeah, maybe. And I also don't want to overreact to this loss. It is yeah. a bad loss, but I do think there was the sense of Michigan overlooking Michigan State. Absolutely. And, then, Absolutely. and I think if they really put everything down into Michigan State, like if Michigan State was a ranked team yeah. that was a that was going to be competitive, nothing went over win Rutgers. Rutgers or yeah. something, they would have right. looked at this game much differently. Yeah. I do think Michigan can pull the win out. In yes. that sense, but I think it was just wow, you lost to Rutgers, your twenty-four point favorites. Like yep. definitely, it's an the overlook. whole picture. It's the whole yeah, picture. It's a whole picture. So I don't want to overlook and be like, wow, this team's just awful because you lost to Michigan State. Yep. I'm gonna look at it as you get Rutgers next week to try to fix things. Yep. And then if Wisconsin doesn't have their COVID problem, you play Wisconsin in two weeks. Right. And I think that's still for me the real test for this team because I think if you can go out game plan well, and beat Wisconsin pretty handily, mm-hmm. I do think, okay, maybe this team is s- still yeah. good. At best chance, you're 6-2. Right? Yeah, that's like, still yeah. a good chance. Right. But in a COVID year, you're not going to do, you're not going to be making a college football playoff. I, I It's going to be hard for Ohio State to go 7-0, win the Big Ten, and get it, right. because you're only 7-0, where other teams are going to be 10-1, right. having that argument at the same time. Right. So, this was, I for me, this was always a, Joe Milton's going to play eight games, right. maybe a bowl and game, and and next yep. year when you get your 12-game normal schedule, that's going to be the real test. Yeah. So I, I think you're coming at it from a more balanced approach. I think a lot of Michigan fans right now are, are beyond furious at this point, yeah. and rightfully so, right? I Honestly, it's not even the fact they lost to Michigan State. I know a lot of Spartan fans are like, ha, ha, ha. Like, I, I get it, right? Yeah. You know, take the win, go for it, whatever, right? But, you know, it, it, it's one of those things to where, obviously, this rivalry is going to go back and forth for mm-hmm. a while, right? It just is what it is, which is a good thing. You know, I mean, you looked at the stats before the game. You know, Michigan's got is leading this series by, like, 45 wins or something yeah. like that. So, I don't think it's ever really going to be even from a historical standpoint. But... Um, it's good for the Michigan State program, right? I mean, big ups to Mel Tucker, right? Having this team ready to go. And that's the biggest thing is that they were ready to go. They were completely locked in to what Michigan was doing, and Michigan mm-hmm. had no answers, right? So this is going to be a rough year. But if there is a silver lining for all this, if they don't get rid of Harbaugh, which at this point I'm kind of net neutral to, I would like – I made the comment a couple weeks ago where it's like, who are you going to get? But at this point it's like – I'd rather do what the Lions did and say, let's take a 50-50 shot on an up-and-coming guy like a P.J. Fleck type of person. Mm-hmm. I know Minnesota doesn't look great right now, but they've got a longer injury list than roster at this point. Um, I'd rather take that risk at this point because you but you, you know what you're getting at this mm-hmm. point out of Harbaugh. He's become Caldwellized in my mind because, mm-hmm. okay, great. I and, and, you know, having eight to nine wins a year, I'm not going to laugh at that and say that's not good enough, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when you consistently fail – 
at the big moments of your year. You're 1-7 now at home against Michigan State and Ohio State. You have yet to beat Ohio State. You're 500 against Michigan State right now. You're you're not doing the things necessary to get this program to the next level. Taking it from the, gar- from the garbage seller that it was to being above average, I don't think is really the goal here. And if that's what Michigan is, then cool. Then we need to start looking at a different team to start pl- to watching because that's not the goal of this mm-hmm. whole thing. And we've seen teams and we've seen programs go through a rebuild and come right back up on top all within the same time that Harbaugh has. LSU is a perfect example of that. Now, they had the perfect storm, but at the same time, we've seen where LSU's kind of went, okay, we're just above average, we're a 7-8 win team, and then bam, here we go, we've got the team, and we go and deliver and win the national championship. Ohio State's done it. Alabama's doing it right now. Clemson's done it. You're, you're looking at these programs, and you're going, we're not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that is the... I mean, I, I mean, are you on the bandwagon where you like you need to see how this rest of the season goes? Are you like, well, in, in, you're not going to get Luke Fickle anyway, so you might as well just because that's that's the only guy in my mind right now that is worth mm-hmm. up going after is him. Outside of that, I don't know if there's any coach really better at this point for me to go. That's going to be a, that could potentially be available at a, maybe a smaller school to go. Yeah. Hey, we can bring him here. Yeah, I just I don't you know I, mean? I don't know all, everyone off the top of my head yeah. who would be willing to leave and all right. that stuff. So I don't like speculating that, especially during the season when yeah. Harbaugh's gonna be here the rest of the season. I don't think right. it's a great time to talk about that now. But I For do sure. think that you can have a like a six and two. I think would be especially if you beat Wisconsin. If the only teams you logged to were Michigan State, Ohio State. Yes, that's bad, but also that means you went through Wisconsin, who's a very good and team Penn this State year, too. and Penn State, who you yeah. usually never beat anyway either. Yeah. So I think those would be good wins. And you have to also think Milton's a redshirted sophomore, so he's going to be here at least. Lining. You that have at least one lining. more year with him, and yeah. he does look good. He needs maybe a little more touch on the ball sometimes. Yeah. But I do think he looks good, and he will get that touch through the well, season. Well, and I think that's that is the one silver lining. I think I hit on that earlier, but I didn't actually finish my thought. But that is the one silver lining yeah. is that you got a young quarterback. This yeah. isn't Shea Patterson, junior, senior year, throwing a game away against mm-hmm. Notre Dame. This is a guy that he's had one career start, right? Yeah. And it was a very easy, like, mm-hmm. this is great. My defense is shutting everybody down. I got one play for a 75-yard touchdown run. Like I don't, I didn't have to do a lot. They were never trailing in that game after the first five minutes of that game. So you're like, okay, this is yeah. pretty great, right? So you're you're looking at it and you go, what what is this kid made of? And you're gonna find out what this kid is yeah. here in the next seven, six to seven games here. But like, it's a, it's a demoralizing loss. I understand Michigan's frustration. I understand Michigan fans' frustration, right? Um, but I mean, I I don't want to say clock's ticking because I felt it's felt like it's been ticking for a while, but. This Ohio State game, just prepared now, I mean, we'll probably cover it because we have to, but it's going to be a 50-point blowout. And I don't I don't see any other way to do it. And yeah. the only way I see it happening is if Milton has, like, that, like, breakout game mm-hmm. to, like, put Michigan's offense in a position to where they're closer. But the way Michigan State's young receivers just dismantled our secondary and the lack of adjustments, Ohio State's five times faster they got a better quarterback. They got a better offensive line. They are the mm-hmm. top three team in this in the nation. It's going to be, yeah, really bad. Yeah, really, really bad. So just maybe take that day and don't watch Michigan football that day because they're going to make it into a big deal. But yeah. nobody in their right mind has got Michigan. It'll be a twenty-five point favorite. Yeah, Ohio, for State. Ohio State. Yeah. It'll be gross for sure. So let's just all take that L now and. 
let it wash over us. Mm -hmm. But all right, let's shift our focus here a little bit here. Let's talk NFL football here. Trade deadline looming. Um, the official trade deadline, I think, is this Tuesday. Um, but the actual, a lot of the trades that have been made are probably only going to be the ones that have been made due to the fact that with the COVID testing and stuff, people want to get their guys. It's almost like a two-week process. Um, so Everson Griffin, guy that I talked about a lot in the offseason, especially later in the offseason to go, I would like the Lions to sign him to a one-year deal to, to help with the pass rush as a rotational pass rusher. He's now a Detroit Lion. They did it in the most unique and unconventional way possible. They trade away a conditional six-round pick, which based off of playtime and you know numbers and how much they win, it could potentially be a fifth-round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. In return for Everson Griffin, you're going to be paying him the back end of his $6 million deal, which is around $3 million. So Lions have tons of cap space, so I'm not worried about that. Um, just your initial thoughts on this move. Um, I got more questions afterwards, but just yeah. like your initial reaction when they traded for him, because I was really happy yeah. when they did. I wasn't like, okay, Super Bowl bound, yeah. but I'm like, this is a great move with very little downside. Yeah, I, I, I like the move. I was just annoyed that it, it took, didn't happen. Yeah. Well, you should have signed his ass. Yeah, they yeah. should have just signed him for exactly. the whole year. Yeah. And now you have to wait two games before he can even play. So he's only yeah. No, he'll be back now. He'll be back for, he'll be ready for the next week against Minnesota. Yeah, whatever. So yeah. you're going to only have him for yeah. what, you, seven you don't have him or today whatever, or so. yesterday if you're listening, you're, you listen to somebody. You're not going to have him against Indy, but you will have him against Minnesota next yeah, week. Yeah, but I'm just like, you could have just signed him earlier yep. and then had him for the entire year and I had agree. that extra rotational piece. And you have to give away a draft pick, which. Could hit or miss be a good player in the fifth round and or sixth round, depending on what you actually give them. But knowing Bob Quinn's run in the sixth round, it's either going to be a long snapper or a way developable quarterback. So yeah. I'm okay with. Hey, this. it could be a Quintus <laughs> Cephas though, who's probably going to be the starting wide receiver next year. Oh, so you geez. never know. So, but anyway, yeah, I, I like the move. I do yeah. like Everson Griffin as a pass rusher and as a rotational pass rusher. Yeah. But I wish you would have just signed him earlier and not. Yeah, have I, I, and I but, think I think the reason why, looking back on it, why they didn't is is twofold. Number one, I think they thought Austin Bryant was going to be available mm -hmm. that would have helped, and they also drafted Julian Aquara too. Yeah, so he was supposed to be another guy that was going to rush the passer. But since they're both on IR or just coming back, right? You you lost some of that depth where now you've really got Romeo. Trey Flowers, that's really... And Deshaun Hand, I guess, as a DN, but he's not really mm -hmm. a DN, you know what I mean? So it's like he's more of a three technique. So it's like, okay, you know? Yeah. Um, so I get it. I like the fact that they got him for almost nothing, right? At the end of the day, that's really what it is. It's not a whole lot. It's not... And, and the thing I like about this, and I'm going to continue to say this for this team and this regime, right? I don't know where this season's going. At, as of this recording, we haven't seen Lions versus Indianapolis, so I'm going to say they're 500. They could be above 500 or below it starting today. But... For this Lions regime, for as much as on the hot seat that they are, and justifiably so, they have done nothing to mortgage the future mm -hmm. of this team. They did not go out, and now I'm guessing a lot of people would have been thrilled if they went and got a Stephon Gilmore from New England, right? If they would have went and traded for J.J. Watt. I'm sure short-term people are like, oh man, like this is a big-name guy that's coming in. But from a money perspective and from what you would have had to give up in order to get these guys... I'm really okay with them not doing that. I know some people are like, well, okay, Everson Griffins look terrible in Dallas. I go, I don't know if you got this or not, but newsflash, everybody looks terrible in Dallas, right? And you're having the guy who has played an outside defensive end stand up as an outside linebacker and rush the passer. Mm -hmm. doesn't make a lot of sense. His numbers are still second best as far as quarterback pressures compared to what the Lions have now. He's got two sacks on the year. He's going to be a third down 
go get the guy. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's going to be, right? Um, the other big move, I guess, I would say is the Carlos Dunlap trade to Seattle. Seattle, a guy, or as a team that a lot of people thought would be in on Everson Griffin due to the same issues that the Lions are having, which is inability to generate consistent pass rush on third downs, right? That is a big problem for this Seattle defense. So with that being said, Carlos Dunlap coming over now from Cincinnati. He was been he's wanting to get out of there forever, yeah. right? He's trying to he's mortgaging his house. He's doing everything he can to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughts on that move for Seattle, a team that is definitely in a completely different space than Lions where they're looking at a Super Bowl right now. They have a potential to be the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, um, I mean, I think the same thing, except there's they couldn't sign him in for obviously, agency, so obviously. I, I think it's a good trade. Um, I think they're really trying to go in as much as they can for this year and next Absolutely. year. Uh, sure. As you see with the Jamal Adams trade, yep. with um, yep. Carlos Dunlap and other trades that they made through this year. By the way, they, they gave away nothing for Carlos Dunlap. They a did. A player and like a seventh-round pick. Yeah, they gave up their... This sucks. <laughs> they gave up their backup center and a seventh-round pick for yeah. him, so you can't really... Right. There's literally nothing... No, I mean, there's some more money attached to Dunlap than Griffin, yeah. obviously, right? So the cap hit is a little bit more in Seattle, does not like taking on big contracts no. usually. But... For what you're saying, for them pushing the chips in and go, Russ is never going to play better than right yeah. now. He's playing at an MVP level, yeah. so we need something. Yeah, and and their schedule gets a slightly harder, so Dunlap's going to help a lot. And then yes. it gets very easy yep. because they roll through like the Jets, Giants, and Washington in a three week span after these next like two three games. Russ will be, so Russ will be sitting. Russ is going to be yeah. <laughs> Russ might be sitting for quarters, and Carlos Dunlap's really going to be able to come into his own yes. on those third down pass yep. rush opportunities. It's really getting get it. it's getting prepped for the playoffs. Is yeah, really it is, what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So I like the move. Um, I like going out to get somebody. I really hope they maybe make one more move to try to get somebody else because yeah. they actually have no pass rush. No. Right. Outside one Bruce Irving got hurt, they have yeah. no pass rush now. So right. I do love the move, and I hope they – Yeah, and I think he's going to play – it's a little bit different the 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 the, um, the the way the teams are made up right now. Like yeah. Trey Flowers and Romeo Aguara are both playing at very high levels. Yeah. Uh, Flowers doesn't have the sack numbers, mm-hmm. but he's doing a lot of things, even in cut. We saw that big pass deflect, deflection against Atlanta last mm-hmm. week where – He's doing so many things for this team that I don't think is necessarily able to show in numbers, if yeah. that makes any sense. Aquara really coming on strong the last couple weeks. He's playing really well, but for the Lions, it's more of a getting another guy who does one thing really well. He's a power rushing specialist. That's what he's going to do for this team. Where Dunlap, he's going to be a starter in mm-hmm. two weeks. Oh, like, 100%. let's be real, right? He's going to come in with, you know, with Wagner, and you've got some solid secondary pieces there. It's really the, the, what they're doing is I think they're like, all right, we got to patchwork this defense just to be average. Just be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we're going to let the offense do the rest because the offense is putting up 30, 30 a game. Mm-hmm. So we just got to do enough to not let that happen. And that's the biggest thing I think against Arizona is that they go, Russ has got to be perfect in order for us to get these wins. Let's maybe help them out just a little, yeah. just a little bit yeah. with a threat before they do that. Um. You know, we've seen some other names out there. New England is basically saying pretty much anybody that anybody wants to trade for will trade for the most part. Um, the Texans have been pretty open to, to trades as well. Uh, Dallas already cut a couple guys that cut Don Terry Poe, which I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if the Lions took a look at him just based off of what he does from a run-stopping ability. Um, but there's been a couple of the teams that have kind of been open. Some teams have been rumored to maybe make a trade like Green Bay, Chicago. Is there a move that you think should be made or should have already been made for a contender that like definitely should have went. If you're going to go in all in the season, you need to do it. 
the easy check mark. Will Fuller to the Packers. Yeah. The easy checkpoint. Yep. You get this fast outside receiver. You got Devontae Adams. Young, too. Who's a young dude. Yeah. You got Aaron Jones back there with Rodgers playing out of his mind. The defense is just good enough yep. right now to you know get through. Yep. Just playing well enough. Yep. I think getting that start, like really good second receiver in Will Fuller would push some probably closer to I think the Bucks right now are the favorite but Packers yes. are up there right well, now. Well, Antonio Brown, I mean geez. Yeah, getting Antonio Brown work. there is going to be really <clears> nice <throat> them, I'm going to not watch that Lions game cuz that's going to be a gonna, rough go. Yes, but but that's I think that's an obvious move, right? I think obvious. is is that one where you can just go, okay, you know, I'm surprised I think if JJ Watt's contract wasn't what it was, I wouldn't have been shocked to see Seattle maybe go what do you want? Yeah. What do you really want? Yeah. You know, you don't have Bill O'Brien there willing to make a deal for a third round pick and not have a ham sandwich for him. I know that's that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? So, that's very and unfortunate. We've heard reports that okay, yeah, Randall Kyle's available, Brand Cooks available, and Will Fuller, but none are going to come cheap, right? Yeah. Which which leads me to believe it's either going to be a third or a second round pick for these guys. And I don't know if you are the Packers. That's the 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 Packers have been a victim of their own success in a way because they go, yeah, we're winning without these guys. Because you have Aaron Rodgers, or even go back to Brett Favre, and you've got some superior quarterback play where it's like, we don't really need to trade any of our assets, but because and we'll just draft average, because the Packers historically have not drafted very well. So you look at it and you go, we're, we're still winning because of that. I think they're honestly, they're, they're stuck in that one. Like, do we give up a second-round pick to get a guy to like immediately take our offense from top 10 to maybe top 5 just by mm-hmm. having him on the field? Rather than, eh, maybe we'll just draft a guy in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? It's tough for that for that kind of thing. So it's interesting enough, to say the least. Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, this trade, I mean, the fact that we had any moves at all is kind of shocking, quite frankly. Is there anything else you would have wanted to see the Lions in particular to do in this? In this? Because you don't know the future of this team, right? Yeah. This is a very, we are in a very fluid situation at 500 right mm-hmm. now. So you're like... This could either go one of two ways. We're either going to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. or it's going to be a total dumpster fire. Yeah. So, wh- did you did you want to see something else be done? I, I, there was a half and half for me. Some yeah. people were like, "No, they need to go do this." Other people are like, "I don't even know why they're trading for Everson Griffin because mm-hmm. I don't want this regime making moves." Yeah. Um, I would have liked to see at least put on the market what you could get from Marvin Jones. Really? That that's the only move I would have seen. Right. And and if it's not good enough, don't sell out Marvin Jones. Yeah. But he's about to he I don't know if he resigns. Yeah. And he's in the last year. So if you could if you could have pulled a something like a third or fourth or something for yeah. him, I'd be like, maybe we can roll without him yeah. for the rest of this year. Yeah, I don't think they would have ever been sellers with the Everson Griffin move just because once again, they're three and three. Yeah. They're in a two game win streak. You know, they have some very winnable football games coming up. Yeah. And in my mind, I don't think they were going to get rid of him because of that, right? Yeah, if yeah. it was if it was similar to the Golden Tate year where, okay, you make this trade for snacks, then they go play Seattle and get decimated by Seattle, yeah. I think that I think this game against Indianapolis, which unfortunately we don't know the result of, right? If they come out and they somehow manage to beat Indy, right? I think, okay, we're going. If they don't, you could possibly see that move still maybe happen. Yeah. But at the same time, for a regime trying to save their jobs... I don't. I don't see it likely that they're going to trade away such a valuable offensive piece yeah. to them for right now. Um, but it wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. I'd be bummed because I like Marvin. I do too. But it's like the gold thing. Like I was super bummed when they yeah. got rid of gold. But that's game. what I mean. I'm like, if you could pull a, yeah. you know, a third or fourth with yeah. his production value right now, I'd be like, uh, I mean, you could listen to it because yeah. you could use that third to replace him with another sure. good third round receiver sure. and be fine. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. Yeah, I think if the schedule was setting up where like we played Tampa 
and Green Bay and Tennessee now, I think you'd be more likely to see that move because you're like, oh, geez, that's probably at best one and two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Out of those three games. So it's going to be a little bit different. But I'm interested to see. I'm kind of hoping the Lions go on a bit of a run here because it'll give us a little more to talk about yeah. when it comes to this. You know, it's all going to depend on this November whether or not you we're going to be talking about it or not. So mm-hmm. interesting stuff to say the least. All right, that's going to be it for part one. Part two, we're going to talk about the new Lions skipper, or not Lions, Tiger skipper, and AJ Hinch. And we're also going to be doing some wrestling talk as well to end the show today. Lots of great stuff coming your way. Stick around. Hey guys, the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Medica here. Just want to say once again, thank you so much for all the support on episode 100. We really appreciate it. We are so thankful to be able to provide this show to you guys, and uh, we really appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving back to us. So once again, thank you so much. Once again, if you want to support the show, the best way to do it is do two things. Number one, subscribe to the show. Whether you watch us on YouTube, listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Music, wherever you listen to us, make sure to hit the subscribe button, right? Give us a like, give us a comment, let us know what you think. And then also go to belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm always right PC, all one word, I'm always right PC. Um, and buy the official I'm Always Right Sports Podcast logo shirt. You can also find the shirt and the link on our website, I'mAlwaysRightPC.com. That's I-M-A-L-W-A-Y-S-R-I-G-H-T-P-C.com. And you can find all the great stuff there. You can see the title history, the I'm Always Right 24-7 Championship. You can learn a little bit more about Mike, Kyle, M, myself, the entire I'm Always Right Sports Podcast team. You can find all the links to all your favorite streaming sites to listen to us and as well a link to our YouTube page. So anywhere you want to find us. And you can also fill out our contact page. We don't send out emails or anything like that, but we do like hearing feedback from you guys. So if you want to hear a specific comment or a specific topic you guys want us to talk about, let us know. And that's the best way to get in touch with us is to fill out that contact page and it sends us an email right away. I get it directly to my phone and we plop it into the show pretty much immediately. So once again, we appreciate all the support. Please keep supporting the show the best way you know how. Share it with everybody. Give us a like, give us a follow, and we appreciate it very much. Here's part two of episode 101. Hello, welcome back to part two of episode 101 of the I'm Boys Right Sports Podcast. Mike, let's just jump right in here. Let's do some Tigers talk here. It's a new era for Detroit Tigers baseball today, or I guess Friday, I think is when they actually made mm. the hire. Um, AJ Hinch, former Astros skipper, skipper, part of that whole Astros cheating scandal. He didn't start it, but he didn't stop it, nope, <laughs> is the, is the line, right? Um but he is officially the Detroit Tigers' new manager. He actually played for the Tigers in 2003 when they were almost historically bad. So that that's a fun little trivia note there. So he knows how bad they can be, <laughs> I guess. Um, but he's here. Um, probably the biggest name out there, if we're being honest with ourselves, <clears throat> from, a, from a new manager perspective. You see the White Sox hiring Tony La Russa. The, taking the carcass out of that, out of the, you know, 76-year-old going into a new era of baseball. I don't... I don't necessarily get that, but here we are. Um, so you're getting a guy who's got a World Series ring. He's been to two. He really turned the Astros around. Um, uh, you know, some player development. He's also been a former uh, player personnel guy. You know, he was a manager. Then he got. Then he went to the player personnel and scouting department for a few years, and then he went back to managing. So he's kind of got a little bit of both as far as a in-game style as well as being able to evaluate talent, which I think is yeah. extremely important nowadays, especially because you have such a young baseball team. But 
Give me your initial reactions, your thoughts. Like, are you liking the move? Would you wish they would have maybe went and got like Alex Cora, who Boston may be just rehiring again? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on AJ Hinch being the new yeah. Tiger skipper? Yeah, well, I thought it was looking at the statistics of him. I thought it was a great move. Yeah, because when you look at, <laughs> yeah, he started off really bad in Arizona, his first managing yep. job, because he yep. he had a four twenty win percentage, which is not very good, by the way. Nope. Eighty nine and one twenty three is not the no. not what you want. Not so much. And then. The three years before he got, he went to the Astros. They were they had fifty five wins, fifty one wins, and seventy wins. Right. And then his first year there, they get to eighty six wins and get to the wild card. Yeah. And then they have eighty six again, but miss the playoffs slightly. And then right after that, they win their one hundred and one wins and win the World Series. Yep. And so. If history can somehow repeat itself, he's good at going in with a really good farm system and a quality team there and can make them very, very good. And we saw it with the Astros, and that's really what the Tigers have right now is a really, really good farm system, a quality team around them, and Mm -hmm. see if he can do it. I think he can, and I'm actually very positive about this hiring. It's Mm -hmm. actually one of the best hirings in Detroit, Michigan area in a really long time, I think. But I guess we we'll have to see. And let's let's take an let's let's really take a look here real fast at, at what this Tigers team is right now, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's two things that you can say about it. It's young and up and coming, right? When you look at this baseball team, you saw a lot of young guys playing some very meaningful baseball this last season. This shortened season was was godsend yeah. uh, from a Tigers perspective, right? But looking at this baseball team, right? You are we are now entering, and you heard Al Avila say it. You heard Mr. Illich say it. We are getting to a point where baseball is going to be fun again. Right, you are getting a guy where you're gonna take this guy and you're gonna say, okay, we got the manager we want. Garden Hire was never going to lead us to a World Series. Garden Hire was here was brought in for one reason: to develop the young talent that you were acquiring. Right, that is the whole point. Every single veteran that they had that they played ain't gonna be here very much longer. You saw Ryan Zimmerman is gone, or George Zimmerman, sorry, Ryan Zimmerman. George Zimmerman, he's gone already. Right, so you look at it. This team is getting to a point where they are going to become buyers again. They are no longer going to be selling off assets. They are going to be the team that's going to be like, okay, we need X, Y, and Z to get us there. It's exactly the same thing the Astros did. Astros were a very good baseball team, and they went, Verlander's available. Mm -hmm. Tigers are bad. When you can get Verlander at the top of his game to get us over the hump to get there. The Cubs, same way. They brought in Joe Madden. They had a good core of pieces already. What did they go do? All right. We're going to bring in John Lester. We're going to bring in Hayward. We're going to bring in individual pieces. We're going to trade for Araldus Chapman at the trade deadline, right? We're going to go get specific pieces and specific players to fill a very niche role for us in order to get us over the top and get a World Series, right? It's all based upon whether or not this young core, the the Casey Mines, the Casey, uh, yeah, the Casey Mines of the world, the Matt Mannings, these kind of guys, if they can come in and be what we expect them to be, this Tigers team is going to become a lot more fun to watch a lot sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And that's that's key here, right? And, you know, Alvila, you know, they talked about it where it's, we're getting to a point to where we're going to get to the fun part. And the fun part is winning. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, they've done all this due diligence. They've had high pick after high pick. And they're they're coming along nicely, right? We've seen moments out of Mize already. You're seeing, you know, Torkelson will probably be on the opening day roster next year, right? Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. You're going to see these guys come in, Riley Green, Matt Manning, Alex Fayetta, all these names that we've been hearing about, hearing about, hearing about, they're going to be here. They're going to be in the big show. We're going to see what we have, and you're going to finally start to see the vision of what this Tigers team could be. I'm extremely excited. I want to ask you a question, though, because Mm -hmm. this got me thinking watching this press conference. 
outside, I'm going to take the Lions out of it for a second because they're kind of a 50-50 gamble at this point still, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, they're 3-3 three and three as of this recording. Um, looking at looking at what we have now in this in, in Detroit sports, we've been down in the dumps for so long, mm-hmm. right? Let's look at the Pistons. Dwayne Casey, very accomplished coach, right? Did some big things in Toronto, right? I feel like we're on a bit of an upswing with the, with the Pistons, right? You can feel a groundswell of mm. there's 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 a vision and there and we're marching to it, right? We're not there yet, obviously, but you can feel like we're not stuck in purgatory. We we tore it down and we're gonna try and rebuild it up a little bit, right? Tiger is now with AJ Hinch. You've got the wings and the Eiserman vision, right? I feel like we're 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 making the right moves in a lot of key areas here, getting the right people in place to go, hey. Two three years down the ri- down the line here, we could be talking about Detroit sports having a bit of a resurgence mm-hmm. around across all sports. Quite frankly, right? I feel like you've got good people at both the managerial level. Blaschel's uh, is, is iffy right now, but the wings are so far off. But like you've got Eisenman making these moves, and you go, all right. Like I I, I feel like there's more a, a lot more optimism and hope for a good majority of our Detroit sports team now. Even look at it in the college level. I mean, take Harbaugh out of like. You know, uh, Howard has got the 2021's number one class for basketball for Michigan mm-hmm. this year. You still have Tom Izzo. You got Mel Tucker, who's got is inspiring some. You got a lot of people that are pretty excited about Michigan sports as a whole right now. Yeah, I mean, yes, but I think that is <clears throat> the optimism of we don't have any really good sports right now. So it's we need something good to come out of. We have seven or eight teams that you just mentioned, and yeah. none of them are really truly competing right. for championships. So mm-hmm. it's like one of these teams eventually like one of these teams have to hit. And I do think the Tigers will hit sooner rather than later. Yeah. I think the Pistons still need a lot of work to do. Yeah. I do think the Red Wings still need a lot of work to do. I think the Tigers easily are gonna be in the next two years probably the best Detroit team. Yeah. But yeah, I just think it's there's a lot of optimism to go around, but I think it's because I I think if the Lions were legitimately a really good team, people would go the other three, you know, they'll take their time, take the but, time. like, we like, got the we Lions, Lions. Yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But since we don't have that, and really we don't have a lot of – outside of college basketball, we don't really have the yeah. college sports either. Yeah. It's really like we really just need one of these to I work just, so we I'm can just, go for something. I just feel like this with, – with this guy – I just like the fact that I feel like – I'm going to leave the Lions out of it because, once again, that's still – I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen, but who knows, right? Uh-huh. If they wind up going 10-6, and six, we're having a whole different conversation. Point being is that – you look at it and you go, okay, we're, we're here, and you're like, all right, I like Dwayne Casey as my head coach of the, of the Detroit Pistons, right? I like the fact that they've got a guy in in Weaver, whatever his last name is, to, to develop talent from OKC. I like the fact that Eisenman is here revamping this team. I like the fact that Avila has drafted well and that we have now an established guy at the manager position to really evaluate talent and put the best team out there on the field. I just feel like we have not had this level of you know, the players will be what they be, but from an organization standpoint, we haven't been this stocked in the mm-hmm. cabinet in a long time. We don't have Stan Van anymore. We don't got, you know, n- you know, uh, not Garden Hire, because I'm going to give Garden Hire a pass here, but what was the guy before that uh, that was here? The the young dude that basically tore us into the Osmus? ground. Osmus. Yeah, exactly. We don't have an inexperienced guy trying to lead a veteran group to a championship. We are finally back on a little bit of an upswing where you can go, all right, we're not maybe very good right this second, but there's hope because yeah. of who we have in place to get us there, mm-hmm. I guess, is my is my reason for hope. You know yeah. what I mean? And like I said, I'm reserving my thoughts on the Lions until I watch this indie game because I'm going to be two different things. Um, but here we are. Um, so just something to think about. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this mm-hmm. Tigers baseball here. I'm, I'm finally excited to maybe see them play 
some meaningful baseball games mm -hmm. again in the very near future. So that's exciting. Mm -hmm. All right, let's talk WWE Hell in the Cell here. Um, you know, what do we have? Five, six matches on this card? Three, four, five, six. Yeah, six. Six matches? Okay. Um, just give me your overall thoughts on this show. You know, we had a couple title changes. Sasha Banks winning the women's title from Bayley. Uh, Randy Orton is your new WWE champion over Drew McIntyre. It only took him 12 times, but he got there. Um, we're here. Roman Reigns retains in what I personally thought was the best match of the night. Um, give me your thoughts on the show. What's your grade? Talk to me. Yeah, it was it was a very good show because e each pay per view now they're just adding another really good match to each one. Yep. Like I think, and I think the difference is I think on what was it? Clash all three Helms. Yeah. Match, by the way, really all good. three. Yeah, those, that's what I mean. Was yeah. like Clash of Champions. I think the first match and last match were really good. Yeah. I was really hoping the ambulance match would make it that three pillar match yeah. show, but it wasn't because I didn't think it was very good. For I sure. think this one had all three of them really hit. Now everything else did not hit <laughs> at all. Like, let's make that clear. Like, there was nothing else on here that was fun. What do you mean? <laughs> like, like the Miz beating Otis for the Money in the Bank briefcase yeah. is really sad. Yeah. Because um, well, I wanted Otis gonna, to cash he, he in. He was going to lose it anyway. We knew that. And then yeah. Elias just beat Jeff Hardy by DQ in, like, yeah. three minutes. Yeah. And then Bobby Lashley defended his U.S. title against Slapjack. Ooh. In three minutes. Yeah. So I have a feeling that T-Bar is going to want to win in the U.S. title. Probably. Just so you know. But it's fine. But, uh, so, you know, so outside of, you know, the... Very yeah. at the bottom. There's a lot of very good on the yeah, show. Yeah, it was very all or nothing. And it, and it makes you very happy because now we're going into Survivor Series, which historically for the last five years has been my favorite Big Four pay per view. Maybe yeah. outside of the Rumble. Yeah, it's Rumble's one of those. Fun just because there is the thought of anything can yeah. happen. But yeah. I I just love the feel of the champion versus champion matches. Love like that. like especially when you look at this Probably year. Last year was really fun to watch. Yeah, you'd have like Orton versus Reigns. You have. Mm -hmm. Um, Street, same as Zane versus Lashley, yeah. and you have you have some really good matchups that you're gonna have this year, so I think it'd be fun. But going back to Hell yeah, um, yeah, I'd probably this was probably my favorite of I'm gonna say it again, the favorite of the COVID era probably so far. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought they all delivered. It was the best Orton McIntyre match I thought. Oh, easily so, for sure. Yeah. Bailey and Sasha, they always do great work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm I'm really excited to see how that storyline progressed. I honestly wish they would have waited to WrestleMania, but that's that's me. Um. Yeah. And then Roman, I'm going to put my, my my nuts on the line here just a little bit and say, there is not a more over performer or storyline right now, AEW, NXT, New Japan, I don't care, than what Roman Reigns is doing right now. I don't know of anything that is more captivating, that has got more people invested, that has done such a beautiful job of elevating Jey Uso, a tag team wrestler mm -hmm. and elevating him and are now you have a foundation where Roman Reigns is just getting into this heel run a little bit you have miles to run with this and I mean miles and miles and miles and miles to run with this god forbid an injury or something like that where you can see mega match after mega match after mega match with guys that have no business being in the main event all because of what they're doing with Roman Reigns right now. Mm -hmm. He is by far the best wrestler in the world from all three phases. Storytelling, character, in-ring work. I don't care what you say. No one's got all three right now that Roman Reigns does. Sure. Thank I mean, like, I am... I And maybe that's a lot, but, like, just watching SmackDown, the fact that, the, like, the Usos now with him, right, mm -hmm. and everything, and they did that whole thing. The, the end of the Hell in the Cell where he got Afa and Sika, which if you don't know who that is... Right, look, go look them up. You know, they're seriously. I yeah. mean, come on, they're legends. But like, 
having them come out and endorse him, right? And you still have Paul there to add that cherry on top. He's the champ. He's in the best shape of his life. They're putting on great storytelling matches. It's not Okada Naito. I get that. But it's different, and it's and it's exactly what WWE wants to do. It's like yeah. when you say, okay, the Lions are winning by running the ball 35 times. Nobody wants to watch that, but if they're winning, they don't care. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The SmackDown is blowing Raw out of the water for the past year. And now that you have Roman back on top of his game, I've never wanted to watch Roman Reigns more. I've never been more excited to watch his title defenses, and I've never been more excited to watch SmackDown. Yeah. He has been on fire. It's the best thing WWE's done in a long time. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's been phenomenal. I'm yeah, it's super... It's everything that we wanted Roman to be mm-hmm. four years ago. Yeah. You know what it's I mean? Exactly it's, 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 it's been phenomenal. So yeah. I'm going to give this show... I'm going to give it a B... I'm not going to give it any too higher because, like you said, it's very all or nothing for me. Yeah. The three big matches that were advertised, delivered, everything else was total garbage. Yeah, that's that's why I'd give it a B- minus because yeah. I wish there was a little more substance to yeah, everything sure. that was at Hell in a yeah. Cell matches. But yeah. actually, to look at it, I'd rather have the pay-per-views that are called like Hell in a Cell just be Deliver. like three or four Hell in a Cell matches and that's it. Yeah. And since the three that were on really delivered... Yeah. And the last three years, none of them have delivered. No, I think they're all terrible. So I think I think it, I I'd yeah. probably give it a B too. Thoughts actually. on Orton winning the title? You know what's going to Orton Edge. You know what's happening. It, it so is, it. and I'm not super pumped about it, but that's I'm kind of want to do. You know why? I don't know why. I, maybe because I'm just a big Edge guy. Yeah. That that is that. I'm I do. Very, I'm very much biased when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah. A lot of times, I generally like, oh. like Edge, but yeah. we, we've seen it twice, and I didn't really like either one of the first two encounters. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I wonder if it's if they, we can get back to some semblance of normal, and it's for the title. It would be a different. It's then it's a different storyline. You know what I mean? Where he's coming back, he got hurt, and now yeah. it's just like I'm gonna take the title. Yeah. I think that may help rather than yeah, maybe the greatest match ever because that's yeah. just dumb. Yeah, like you, know you had the you had your WrestleMania last man standing. You had the greatest match ever gimmick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like I, if, not... like I don't know. I don't think these guys perform like I want to watch them perform. But yeah. I guess we could see. I'm not super excited about it, but I do like Rainy and Edge champion though. Yeah, I think it could be I think it could be I think, fun. I will say though, him and Reigns are about to have one um, of the greatest things oh, ever. Oh my gosh. It could be it could be phenomenal. <laughs> it could it's, be it's, phenomenal. it's either gonna be really awesome or it's gonna be the slowest match ever. ever. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be one but of two. I'm very excited for Survivor series. We'll preview that in full detail in a couple weeks here, obviously. But yeah, no like I said, man, I, what what they're doing in the main event, I know it took them a while, but I'm glad Orton's got the title right. I think Drew had a great run. Yeah. I, you know Drew is going to be a player for years to come now because of this. He's going to be the captain of the Survivor Series team. That's going to be great. Yeah. Um, really digging, though, what Roman's doing. Like I can't put it over enough because, like I said, it's just, for me, it's just one thing from, like, finally, they just got it right. Yeah. They just got it right, and they're not forcing it. He's saying seven words a, ma- a night. You know what I mean? He's not going out and cutting these lengthy promos about being the big dog and all that stuff. It's all over. Mm-hmm. It's just him being a badass because he's a badass. Mm-hmm. And getting everybody... Like, when the other Uso comes back, it, that little trio right there is going to be off the chain. And they've now elevated those two guys now to being main event level stars. Yeah. Before they were just the best tag team, now they are main event level guys. Yeah. Phenomenal. All right, let's talk AEW here. Um <laughs> I'm just really excited for it, you know, and obviously we got a lot of big shows coming out. Full Gear next week, we got um, Wrestle Kingdom is right around the corner, so I'm yes, really excited to talk about that and review that show as well. The one big New Japan show that we really go over every single year. Super excited for that, but um, this Full Gear show, right, um, 
for me, it this is also a very 50-50 show for me personally. I think you're a little more high on it than I am. Um, just because I've been let down by the, the last couple pay-per-views, I'm kind of in this show-me mode a little bit more than anything. Once again, I'm very much, unless you're running a show a month, a pay-per-view a month, which I'm not saying you should, but if you're not going to do that, you need to deliver on these quarterly shows. In the last couple pay-per-views, I don't feel like AEW has delivered on those shows. So... Let's go through this match card here. Let's start from the let's start from the very bottom and let's go all the way through it. All right. So to, for the pre, oh yeah, pre show right? pre match, yeah. you have Orange Cassidy versus John Silver, and Orange Cassidy will probably win. Yeah. Uh, my only gripe with it is I wish they would have put it in a way where Orange Cassidy would be in the TNT Championship match and yeah. it'd be like a three way for it. Yeah. That's kind of where I wanted to go with it, but if you're not going to do that, then yeah, it's just right. you can just throw them in there. Yeah. But it's a pre-show so it probably won't even It's really won't even see really it really in Orange Cassidy somewhere on the, show. on the show somewhere. Yeah. Uh so you have Chris Jericho versus MJF. If MJF wins, he is allowed to join the inner circle. I think this is going to be really good because it's yeah. just like two. It's going to be great storytelling. Yeah, great very story good storytelling. I'm going to take MJF because I think that he's just going to join in. Do you, think MJ, do you think MJF wins and he joins in or do you think the inner circle turns on Jericho here? Because um, Jericho's so good as a heel. I, I almost risk turning him baby here. But like I could see because they're so against him turning or joining yeah. right now, right? Like they're doing a tag match this week mm-hmm. uh, on, on Dynamite where it's Santana and Sammy Guevara versus... Or it's Ortiz, one of the two. Yeah. And against MJF and Wardlow, you're like, uh... Yeah, I guess they could. I don't see it, but I would love if MJF took over that stable, though. Yeah. Because MJF uh, could just talk... The stable's of... become a little flat, if yeah. I'm being honest. They're just kind of there mm-hmm. because Jericho's not in the world title picture, so it's kind of hard. You mm-hmm. don't have anybody in there. Um, no, of anyone in any title picture. No, like, even Santana and Ortiz, who should definitely be in the tag picture for sure. I don't know why they're not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... This one's gonna be weird. I'm very interested to see what they do. It could very, it very well should deliver though. Two guys, both great in the ring. Um, gonna be a lot of storytelling here. I just hope if whatever they're gonna do, it just needs to be impactful. Yeah. One way or the other, it needs to be impactful. Uh, so you have Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose. This is the only one I'm not really excited for because I feel for like the title too. Isn't yes, it? for the women's yeah. title. It's just because I feel like they they didn't really get to the women's stuff, so that no. like, I will just rehash it and Hikaru yeah. Shida will just win probably again. Yeah. Which I'm like, not necessarily a fan of. To you, you're I think they were. Money in Nyla I think Rose. they were. I think they were gonna really go for Nyla, but I think Nyla's probably looking at WWE right now or something. Oh really? Yeah. So I, I think they're like, oh. Yeah. Well, because like you've got a lot of you know you got Vicky Guerrero now with her. Well, not right? Nyla. I met um who who just lost NWA. Oh yeah, Thunder no, Rosa. Thunder Rosa. Yeah, Thunder Rosa. yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. she's looking at WWE apparently. Right. So it's like, I think they were gonna do something with them. Yeah. But then if she's gonna be leaving, it's like oh now we don't really yeah. have anything for right Hikaru to do. So. Yeah, but with Nyla though. It's tough because you got a lot of you got a lot of time. She's already a former champion. You got Vicky Guerrero with her. You know, there's a lot of stuff you could really be invested yeah. in with her. But I, I, the women's Britt Baker really just needs to be the one to have the title. Mm-hmm. She's the only one right now that I actively enjoy watching out of the, like they, they they're fine. Yeah. But from a character perspective, Britt Baker's doing a really nice job. Outside of that, there's not a lot of character development yeah. I'm seeing with the women. I would have liked to see Hikaru and Britt Baker in a match. Yeah. That's by right. far the better one. But I think Hikaru Shida Plus, with the women's division, I always feel like it's better to have a heel. Because then when the win, when the when the face wins it, you're like, yeah, all right, yeah. cool. You know, yeah. like Hikaru Shida's great in the ring, but like the character, it's just that she's cool. Like yeah. there's nothing there's nothing here for me to to really like relate to in that yeah. regard. So I, I have Hikaru Shida yeah, winning. Yeah, me too, for sure. Whatever. Um, Matt Hardy versus Sam Guevara in the Elite 
deletion match. All right, so this is going to be cinematic. Cinematic. Right? It's going to be, be at his house. Probably. Um, He's going to have the lawnmower or whatever and all that good stuff. Very excited because I, I love these. Yeah, I... You know, for me, I feel like it's like every time we have a pay-per-view now, it's almost like we see one of these, it feels like. We're like, I, I mean, yeah, it'll be fine. Um, I don't think there's enough. I, I don't know. I just don't feel like they're they're big enough right now to like to warrant this kind of thing. I think Matt Hardy is coming off a pretty bad run in WWE, the second mm-hmm. half of that. And I don't know, it's because that last pay-per-view match left me like a sour t- taste in my mouth about Probably. the feud, but I mean, I'm hoping it blows me away, yeah. and I'm sure it'll be super entertaining, but like, Sammy Guevara hasn't won a match in five years, so yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know, it's just, it's just meh. Yeah, I'm all in on Matt Hardy. I, I want to see, oh yeah, for yeah. sure, but like, I'm interested to see how they do it and what yeah. it's going to do, but like, once again, what are the stakes? Why do I care? Well, I mean, Sammy almost killed Matt Hardy. That's why he cares. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you want someone to die out there, Rob? Yeah, Come on. That's true. All right, so you have FTR. No, he passed concussion protocol. Remember, they did this one time. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cash Wheeler and Dax Wilder, FTR, will verse the Young Bucks uh, for the AEW tag, title tag titles. Yeah. If the Young Bucks lose, they will never challenge for the AEW World Tag Team Championships ever again. Didn't need it. Did I not need this. I did not know that was even a stipulation. Didn't need, this. Didn't need the stipulation though. You didn't need this. Why? Because once again, it's the same thing we did with Cody. You're booking yourself into a corner. Are you going to take titles off FTR right now? Uh, probably not. But maybe. So, but like, I, that's the thing, right? Like that. I was so excited for this match. Still very excited for yeah. this match. Why? Why that? I get it. You're trying to raise the stakes another level. But maybe don't say we're not challenging for them ever, no matter who's champion. Why is it just we only get one shot at FTR? That would at least then, okay, the Bucks can beat somebody else, and then you can do a return when FTR drops the titles. Then you get Bucks FTR again with Bucks yeah. as the champions. Now it's like, all right, so now you're going to, if the Bucks lose this match, you've now got Cody and the Bucks, mm-hmm. three of your, or two of your biggest acts. No longer being able to... The Bucks, you might as well never show again because there's no reason for them to be on there. They're not singles, guys. So you're you're completely booking yourself into a corner. I hate the stipulation. So excited for the match. Gonna, it's going to steal the show. But hate the stipulation. Yeah, we'll, we'll <clears> see <throat> what happens from it. I guess... Hate the stipulation. Yeah, I don't know. Because you have to have the Bucks win now. Yeah. You have to. Unless FTR wins and everyone goes, well, okay, then... Yeah, yeah, exactly. How are you going to sell me on they get another shot at it? Yeah. You're going to put your careers on the line? You're the vice president of the damn company. Uh, so next you got Cody as the champion versus Darby Allen for the AEW TNT Championship, and I think Darby Allen will win this one because that's really so? that's really been what the story is. Unless they're waiting for a bigger event. I think Cody's event. gonna turn heel. I think Cody's gonna turn heel. Yeah. That's also a, yeah. a possibility, but I think like I'm like waiting for that event where I'm like because yeah. Darby Allen lost. He's been in a lot of big matches, but he's always come up just short. Yeah, right. where like he versed him at what was it Fighter Fest yeah. last year and lost. It went mm-hmm. to the draw, yeah. and then in the tournament they lost, and then yeah. he lost another pay per view. He lost. I'm like he's got to win one. He's he's waiting to overcome that obstacle of Cody, and yeah. I think this is like the perfect. I, platform I think to that Cody. this, but as we saw on Dynamite though, with the lumberjack match with Orange Cassidy, him right. and Arn hit Orange Cassidy with the with the playbook thing and everything. I wouldn't be shocked to see Cody turn here. Quite frankly, and maybe. I think that maybe we may see the formation of new stable this uh, this next weekend mm-hmm. with Cody, Hangman, and FTR. Yeah. Like I like, there's a very high possibility of that being something right now. Um, once again, if FTR loses, though, it's going to be a whole thing. Or, or if the Bucks lose, I'm going to be pissed. But the point is, is that um, you know, I, you could definitely do that. I just, I just, 
I keep fe- having that feeling that Cody's going to turn here for whatever reason. Maybe. Like, he's been so babyface for this entire run. Like, he's just been like, I'm just, yeah, I yeah. love you so much. And now it's like, oh, maybe not so yeah. much, you know? So, I don't know. I'm going to say Cody retains here okay. just on that notion. But I also will be, I'd be happy for Darby Allen to win too. it. Um be interested to see how they book his run, though. That's mm-hmm. my only little bit of a concern there. But let's keep going. Yeah, uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega in the finals of the AEW World Championship tournament thing they've been doing. This is tough. This is tough for this me. This one's really hard. Kenny Omega has looked amazing, literally phenomenal, yes. and it's to the Sony Kiss one where you just he like he looks like Kenny him. again. Yeah, it's really what it does. He looks like Kenny again. I love how they come out in the entrance with, like, the brooms and, like, the cleaner. Like, they're just, like, telling you, hey, he is the cleaner again. Yeah. But, like, he never says it. He's no. just, like... And his entrance, they do all his accomplishments from his old career. Yeah. I absolutely love, love it. both of it. Love it. Yeah. Um, I Walking think out with the AAA Mega Championship again yeah. and everything. Yeah. I think they give it to Kenny. Because I do, too. I think Kenny will be the next world champion, probably. Yeah. And then he can go on to put great matches on against Hangman again, MJF. You name it, he'll go up against it. Kenny's doing a really nice job. It's my only hesitation with with the faction thing that I just proposed to you because it's like, man, he's really like, Kenny is on fire right now. Um, It's about time, quite frankly. Um, I wouldn't hate the faction idea of Hangman wins and wins the world title and he gets it and then Kenny has to use the bucks to fight through it. That would also be a good storyline, but I think Kenny is just so... Like, if Kenny loses, I'm like... Then the cleaner di- gimmick is kind of like yeah right exactly yeah I'm like, I'm unless, like are you unless, the... unless there's some shenanigans that's unless the, the unless yeah. the group helps him or something but I'm like right. then there's like right that's the only yeah so I don't know this is I'm this taking Kenny pretty heavy that's though. why I have high expectations for this show because of the different avenues you could possibly explore yeah. with these matchups right I'm just waiting for them to deliver on these expectations that I have that's why I was so frustrated with all out was because I had high expectations and I didn't feel like. I was, I was like, I, I'm like, I feel like you just sold me a bill of goods, but I didn't get anything out. Yeah. I didn't get the substance. So, very excited for this match. This match, I don't know how Moxley and Kingston are going to follow that. They're going to have to go completely the other direction because it's going to be a technical wizardry between those two, Elwall, the Bucks, and FTR. That Kingston and Moxley is just going to have to go super brawl and super violent. Yeah, you're going to have to order go, to get that match. Yeah, over. you're going to have to go Moxley Kingston from the. Yeah, last year's yeah. full gear where right. they were like going through barbed wire. Yeah, stuff they're and gonna stuff need to, like... to amp up the intensity level a different way than the two matches before that. Yeah, and then you have Moxley versus yeah. Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match for the AEW World, which helps because it's a no DQ. Yeah. Right, I Quit's no DQ. Right, so you're able to be violent with this. Right, I think Moxley gets it here. A hundred percent. But I think it's I think Eddie like goes far. I think they pull in um, with Lucha Bros or whatever probably help. Yeah, take out Moxley. Pac from, is supposed to be making his return too this week as well. So yeah. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. But I, they've done a really nice job of getting Eddie Kingston to be a credible challenger mm-hmm. for John Moxley, which I think is extremely important because I didn't think they did that at all with with Brody, like at all. Mm-hmm. So they've done a really nice job of that, where there is a tinge of me to go, "What if they did it? What if?" Yeah. Giving me the "what if" for me is so important because if I go into a match and I say there is a zero percent chance. That the guy is not walking out with the title tonight, then I am. I'm already turned off like a hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. They've given me at least a little bit for me to go. What if they could? And with the with the stipulations, it very well could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I got Moxley still retaining, obviously. Yeah, but if if Eddie Kingston wins, I'll be shocked. But I'll go. Where do you go now? Yeah. Because now you've got like a whole different world of possibilities mm-hmm. with a guy who's a really really good talker surrounded by really great talent. Mm-hmm. So. 
pretty exciting. Yeah, it, I am very excited. Yeah, this this card should be what All Out should have been, yeah. in my opinion, for for a good majority of mm -hmm. it, right? So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what happens here with all of this. You know what I mean? Um, it. It really has the makings to be a really, really good card from top to bottom. It really does. I'm really hoping. I it don't does. really see much of a weakness to the card. Yeah. So I'm. I hope it delivers also. Yeah. Right. That's that's really it. Right. Yeah. Like you look at it, and you go. I don't. There's not really outside of the women's match, which not not to be sexist, but just like from a storyline build perspective, we haven't seen a build for mm -hmm. Sheeta and Nyla Rose really. Um, the rest of the card's got a lot of time invested. Right. Um, a lot of people in there. Uh, I, I honestly would rather just see Brody versus Orange, honestly. That's only, I think, my only Yeah, pitch. sure. But just that's on the pre-show, though. No, so I know, I'm but like... just, like, just because you have a lot of time invested in Brody Lee, too, just mm -hmm. to kind of keep him on there, because he's supposed to be a, a pillar mm -hmm. of your of your show. Um, and no Brian Cage, no Lance Archer, right? You got some guys possibly missing there. But this card, this card has potential to yeah. be really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um so I'm, I'm really excited. Like, revolution-type good yeah. program. Oh, exactly. Sure. Yeah, that's what so, I think, too. So, very excited for that. Um, that's going to be it, Mike. We really action-packed this episode. I'm not going to lie. This, mm -hmm. is a, this is a pretty full one for us. we got sports in full effect. Um, depending on the result of this Lions game, once again, I can't say because I don't know who's going to win, but depending on that, we could be talking some Lions. If they lose, probably not as much. Um, but if they win, there's a lot of possibilities here. To go with your Detroit Lions, we got a lot of stuff obviously coming. We got to talk about the draft. We got to talk about a lot of stuff with the NBA. We got we got lots of stuff coming your way. Let me put it that way. Um, but that's gonna be it on behalf of the Missing Whale Man. He's the Merc Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys as always next time.